Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of UGA Sports Live. I'm your host, Roddy DeBulsi. I'm joined by Dane Young, our produ- executive producer in charge of all things technical and uh, transitions. And of course, executive now, huh? Does yeah, that come with a pay raise? A battlefield promotion, as we'll call it. Of course, we're also joined by former Georgia Bulldogs head coach Jim Donnan, uh, a Hall of Fame member, a good human being, and a hell of a tennis player. So don't screw around with him on the tennis courts. But And don't invite him to play pickleball. Hey, let's start the show there. Let's start the show with a shout-out to Georgia men and women's tennis teams making it down to Florida for the Elite Eight. I mean, just fantastic season for both squads. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Manny Diaz, you talk about John Wooden of tennis. They've In 35 years, they've been in the last eight 27 <laughs> times now. Now that's pretty strong. And the same thing's pretty much true for Jeff Wallace and the women. And I uh, hope some of the fans had a chance to watch our two videos we did preliminary to the uh, super uh, regionals that they had here last weekend. So uh, we got a road ahead of us. It's going to be tough. You know, we got to beat Ohio State, ranked second in the country in the quarters for the men, and the women got to beat Michigan. But, uh, you know, we're starting to peak, and he's made a couple lineup changes, moving guys around on the men. I think we got a good shot. Yeah, that's plus and a shot to the men's and women's golf teams as well. Uh, the women killed it in their regional, and the men were has, last time I saw they won the first round pretty handily in their regional. So, uh, all the news uh, yesterday was focused a record-setting day at UJSports.com when it comes to stories and uh, and, and uh, website views. Because Dominic Riola, the number one player in the nation, the number one quarterback in the nation, the five-star out of Arizona, committed to the Georgia Bulldogs. This was not a surprise to UGA sports readers. Maybe the timing was a bit, but even then we told you something was coming when a lot of people said it wasn't going to happen. Uh, shout out to Blaine Gilmer, our, one of our recruiting experts at UGAsports.com. He has been the person who is – uh, been Johnny on the spot when it's come to the entire uh, Dylan Riola recruitment. Uh, when everyone was predicting the kid would go to Nebraska to play for his uncle, to play where his father played his college football. Uh, Blaine's like, I've talked to the Rayolas. They love Nebraska. They love his uncle, you know, but they're not leaning towards Nebraska. When he went to USC to see Lincoln Riley, you know, the guy's got three Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. He said, you know, he respects Lincoln Riley a lot. Loves what USC is doing out there, but it's just Georgia's still in the lead. And there were predictions all across the recruiting industry that this kid was going elsewhere. That he, one big weekend, uh, everyone was reporting that Riola had canceled his visit to Georgia, wasn't even going to visit Georgia. And Blaine Gilmer was the only one saying, That's not true. I'm speaking to the Riolas that the Riolas, that is a lie. They, they are still visiting. And sure enough, they did. They visited a lot. And now they've committed. And Dylan has been working behind the scenes talking to people. This past weekend, I was in uh, uh, Columbus, Georgia, for a track championship. I saw uh, Sammy Brown and uh, De- uh, Zion Reagans and Cameron Michael. And uh, and Cameron said, you know, Dylan Rayola reached out to Fran Brown to get my number so that he could call me up to see where I was going to school. And he said, if we went to school together, we could be quite the duo. This guy's been working on Georgia's behalf a long time, but now he is out there as a public commitment. Uh, we have had some great analysis at UGSports.com. We've had our national guys weighed in on it. Uh, we've asked a bunch of other recruits, what does this mean for you? 
a Jeremiah Smith, the you know, number two player in the nation, the five-star wide receiver who's committed to Ohio State. What does this mean for you? Ryan Wingo, another five-star wide receiver. What does this mean for you? Mike Mitchell, number one athlete in the nation. What does this mean for you? They've all told us. So the point being, uh, check out UJSports.com, get all the coverage you want. But what we need is analysis. We need to find out, okay, Rivals has him ranked number one. Rivals is usually good. Uh, but let's talk to a man who played quarterback, who coached quarterbacks, who knows – uh, quarterbacks inside and out can look at them. And I know Georgia leans on him all the time when they're like, Hey coach, what do you think of this kid's tape? So let's talk to uh, Jim Donnan coach. Give me your take on what Dylan Riola brings to the table. Well, first of all, I was fired up that we got the kid from Connecticut uh, uh, when we got him. I mean, uh, let's don't forget about him. Uh, hopefully we can get right. both of these guys, but uh, I can't pronounce his, his, Ryan Puglisi, whatever it is. Puglisi, but let's go Ryan. <laughs> but I think his arm strength and, his, you know, his talent is certainly going to be something we can develop. But the, 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 the big gist here is to – there's a reason this guy's rated number one. Uh, you know, he comes from a football family. He's been playing, uh, you know, at an elite level as a baseball and football player. Usually a guy that can pitch and catch, he catches some too, she, uh, shows you the kind of velocity that uh, he has the potential to, to launch the ball. But I would say his throwing motion is what I always felt like that really looked good was effortless. I mean, it's no effort in, at all for him. And, and that might seem a little coy here by me because most guys look like they're not straining, but he, he really has an effortless release. Uh, has all the platforms to let the ball go different areas from release points. And he's got good enough footwork to move around in the pocket. Good size. He's a very strong guy, a big, big build. His dad was a pro center. So uh, it's out there for him. And uh, certainly the fact that he's talking to these other guys, you, you, you get that Pied Piper effect. You just never know what's going to make the difference. But uh, I would caution everybody. Before you start making all these predictions about <clears throat> somebody's going to go here because of him, they're going to go where they want to go because of the NIL. I mean, that's where it is right now, people. You have no idea of the extent of the NIL unless you uh, have firsthand knowledge of it that I don't know about. But uh, I have some some different people that are dealing with it in different schools and and here and. Uh, it is a very – you just can't throw up your hands and say, well, it's just – that's a bunch of bull. You know, I, these kids don't deserve that. It doesn't matter. What are we going to do about it? We, we've got to compete. we got to do what we got to do because it is what it is, and there's some serious cash being involved in these kids. I don't know what happened on some of them, but I just I just don't think the, the, to say just because we're getting this quarterback that we're going to get these other guys – uh, I hope we do, but uh, to me, it's just not the same about uh, follow a guy because <clears throat> the talent, talent helps, but you got to have the NIL too, man. I mean, that's just a flat-out reality. Coach, one of the things that I saw in coverage of this was a lot of praise for Mike Bobo. And I think that that's warranted to get the offensive coordinator job and to continue that relationship and then to have this commitment happen. What does this say about Mike Bobo and Georgia's just trajectory at the quarterback position? Because now you look at that quarterback room, it's pretty crowded in there with a lot of talent. 
Yeah, one thing I will, I'm going to give a little bit about Mike here, but also Montgomery Van Gorder, uh, who's an analyst here, that kind of moved into the role that uh, Buster Faulkner had when Buster went to Georgia Tech. He did a really good job in the interim of when this kid committed to uh, Ohio State of staying in touch with him. I mean, you know, it's hard for the position coach, Munkin or whoever it might be, to really stay on a guy that's going somewhere else. But uh, I thought listening to the results and everything, uh, Montgomery, you know, as most people call him Gummy, he deserves a lot of credit too. But Mike, just because of his association with Sean Chappas, who was a, a guy here that played for Mike and played with uh, Riola's dad uh, up at, uh, I think, uh, or, or was involved with the Stafford's wedding. I don't know what all was involved, but uh, Mike, played for the Detroit Lions as well. Yeah. Right. So I just think Mike uh, brings a calming influence to the quarterback position. He played there. He, his dad was a quarterback coach. He knows technique. He knows the game. And uh, he's a Georgia Bulldog, which gives him a lot of impetus there as far as you know, as far as credibility at school means a lot to him. And, uh, you know, sacrifice a little bit, kind of moving on the back burner there for a year being an analyst and uh, to get where he needed to go. And uh, <clears throat> this is not just homeschool stuff because Mike played for me or Kirby or anything, but Mike's a good technician, good game day coach. And uh, I'm sure that, that his dad and doing the research that he needed to around the country I mean, he's looking at Lincoln Riley, who's a great quarterback guru. And he's looking at, you know, his, his brother or his own, you know, somebody from his family's at, at Nebraska. So, uh, it, you know, Mike, we always talk about who's your boss. Well, Kirby's the boss, but who, who's the direct boss there underneath? And Mike Bobo certainly checks all the, bus, all the boxes for that. Yeah, I got to think that having – uh, Matt Stafford, you know, being a friend of the family, uh, being Dominic Riola's, you know, teammate for so many years, you know, that was a center. Uh, Matt, you know, spoke to him about Georgia and, you know, his time there. But also, I mean, look at who his offensive coordinator was. You know, he could say, look, I can tell you this about Mike Bobo. This is what I learned from him. And I was the number one overall pick. I signed for $41 million or 37 whatever, a lot of money. Uh, I can tell you about my time at Athens. And I'm sure that Matt didn't lean on him to do it. Matt's going to, you know, I think he's Scott. I think he's Dylan's godfather. I uh, said, look, uh, you know, do what you want to do, but I can, I can give you firsthand experience and I can tell you what I learned. And now I've had this long <clears throat> career that I learned from Mike Bobo, you know. So, uh, but it's, it's tough. I mean, you got to give Mike credit. A lot of people bashed him when he got the job, going back to uh, what they think is a blown call of one game, you know, not – forgetting the fact that he was scoring 40 points a game for Georgia before he left. And that's why he was given a head coach job because he was a rising star in the industry. Um, this is a guy who knows what to do with the quarterback situation. Everybody raves about him. He's one of the best recruiters out there. And he went toe to toe against family. As you say, coach, you know, uh, Dylan's uncle coaches at Nebraska. His dad played there. He needs the pitch was bring Nebraska back to prominence. And of course he'd want to do that and help his, you know, help the family, you know, and help Nebraska or, you know, go play for a guy that has three different quarterbacks winning Heisman trophies and going off to the league. Yeah. Go play for Lincoln Riley, but Mike Bobo was in there toe to toe with those connections and won out based on relationships. 
So well, Dominic Riola spoke about that last night on Rumors versus Facts right here on this YouTube channel. Shout out to Blaine Gilmer and Trent Smallwood and Jed May for having him on. Here's what he said about Georgia. I mean, this is, comes on the heels of saying they're about to vis- visit Georgia for, um, I think, an eighth time. Um, they've done a lot of the unofficial visits um, and kind of become a piece of this recruiting class. So here's Dom Ray- Dominic Riola, Dylan's father. I said Riola. Riola. It's exciting, and and I've always said from the beginning, Georgia, outside of Nebraska, Georgia's as family as it gets. Just with our history there, um, you know, not just Stafford. It's it's more than that. It's the guy, the relationships I you know I created with those guys that went to school there that weren't even athletes. Um, being in the wedding, um, you know, Sean Chappis being in front office at Georgia. Uh, every time we went there, it's it, it felt like family, and and uh, it's elite. It's elite, he says. Yeah, I, I, you can't disagree with, especially you know they've got the hardware to prove it. Uh, this, the class jumps up to the number three class in the country. It's the only recruiting class that has uh, more five stars and three stars because they have two five stars. Only recruiting class to have multiple five stars right now. Uh, that's the University of Georgia. Uh, they they don't have the number one class simply because there are other schools that have more kids committed. And you count the top 20, and Georgia only has 12 uh, uh, commits, where some teams have uh, 17 commits when you get five more commits. But uh, it's it's really – Georgia is gunning for that number one class. I mean, they could get four out of the top 10, uh, you know, 13 kids out of the top 50. It's a, it's a ridiculously – the potential for this class is off the charts. But I think Coach nailed it when he said, look, uh, it's an NIL thing. I don't think it's a huge NIL – issue with the Riolas. I mean, it's not like uh, his dad, some 14-year NFL vet. Of course, you want your kid to earn well, but I thought, you know, he emphasized the relationships there. Because you nailed it. Some of these other kids, um, you want to pull a kid out of St. Louis and Ryan Wingo, you better be ready for it. And I, I love what you said. You know, people can tear their hair out and say, well, that isn't fair. That's This isn't football. This isn't college football. It shouldn't be this way. You can say that and lose, or you can do what Texas A&M is doing and do what these other schools are doing when you're watching those kids go over there. So uh, Dylan may be an outlier in all that, or hell, he may be right in the middle of it. But at least Georgia can say, look, you can win titles here. We've got 25 guys drafted in the last two years. Uh, we've got the best facilities you can find. Um, everything else, all the other check boxes are elite. The only thing lacking may be NIL. And that's stuff Georgia's working really hard to fix. I think I don't. I want to get this straight. We don't lack that. I no. promise you that we're not losing them. No, uh, we, we certainly got a lot going for us there. But I just want to make sure about all these prognosticators saying, "Well, this guy's going to go here now." That we let's just be careful about jumping on that wagon too quick. Each guy now is more centrally located about his own self than ever before. Because it's a chance for a kid to get set up. I mean, that's just – you can't blame them. But uh, it, uh, if nobody gets anything out of this uh, podcast today except the old coach saying the NIL is in here for at least another year, <laughs> and uh, you can say all you want to about this guy's a good recruiter or this guy's all that. You better be a good negotiator too. <laughs> I think what – to me, the replacement for NIL will be uh, revenue sharing from TV deals. 
get rid of all NIL deals and say, look, okay, you know, the SEC gets this many millions or you know, billions of dollars from it. Every kid that plays on the team <coughs> gets this amount and school that way it's across the board for every, it's still give advantage to certain conferences based on it, but I could see that coming to replace everything. Uh, I, Coach, I do want you to put, well, go ahead, Roddy. Uh, I want to mention, uh, Coach uh, mentioned uh, Ryan Puglisi uh, out of uh, Avon Old Farms, Connecticut, uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation, uh, four-star guy, uh, six foot three, 205 pounds. It's a big boy, uh, strong arm, as Coach says. Uh, we we uh, spoke to him yesterday, find out, you know, what does this mean for your commitment? And he said, I said the exact thing in February. It doesn't change now. I told one of the reporters, I made my decision on October 16th. It's May 15th right now, and still nothing changes. So it was not surprising. We've been talking about it for months now. Obviously, I'm happy for Dylan. He chose the school just like I did. It's hard to say no to that place. They've got a great culture, great coaches around you. So uh, Georgia needs two quarterbacks after not landing a big one last year. Uh, Ryan sounds like he wants to come in and compete with uh, Dylan. Dylan has no fears that, you know, Ryan was already committed. Uh, after this year, you could be, you could lose Carson Beck to the NFL. So it's, uh, you need four quarterbacks and you'd have two left if uh, Beck leaves and this will give you two more. So, I don't know what will happen with Ryan. Well, we don't know what happened with Dylan. But if Georgia does sign both of them, that's quite the quarterback group coming in. Coach, I want you to put it on your analyst hat for a moment because you know more about quarterbacks than I ever will, even to the point that when Spencer Rattler was getting Heisman hype at Oklahoma, you you nudged me and you said, but watch out for Caleb Williams. That That's the one there that if it's me looking at it, that's that's the special talent there. And look what's happened since then. Not that Spencer's bad, but look what Kayla's become. That's just an example. I did have someone else that I talked to that knows quarterbacks that say that Dylan Riola is the best quarterback prospect since Trevor Lawrence in this process. From what you've seen, is that even remotely fair? Or is that just you don't want those expectations on any one player? Yeah, was that somebody in a drive-thru or something? <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> I, I got people, Coach. Hey, hey, I mean, that's good. I didn't realize you had that kind of context and make that that's a pretty big statement but uh, uh I, I always hesitate to make comparisons the only thing i said at the get-go here this guy's got a special delivery uh he, he's got good anticipation and really good velocity and you know he brings a lot to the table just like manning did last year i said manning uh you know can't miss i mean people because he didn't come here people trying to downgrade him and all, but uh, I just feel the same way about uh, both of these quarterbacks we got coming in. I mean, th th these are elite talent throwers that uh, uh, certainly are going to have to prove it in college, but one of the things that you're going to have here now, though, to me, that really just defies anything that can, can happen, is you're not going to have to run the whole show by yourself. First of all, you're going to have a really good defense. I mean, as long as Kirby and Schumann and Muschamp are here, our defense is going to be good. And I told you a couple of weeks ago, I could see this defense being unreal this year. I mean, depth, talent, everything. And so I think that certainly helps whether it's Beck, Bandner, Griff, whoever it's going to be this year, because you're not going to be playing from behind much and you're going to be able to, there's nothing like going into a game knowing you're going to have to outscore somebody. You know, 
Or you go in there and have the game plan, and the coach says, okay, we got to get 35 today. I don't see us having to get 35 against anybody next year. You know, maybe at the end of the year, but at this point, that's the that, that's the thing about Dylan that uh, he's going to have so much help uh, to go with his talent, and he's going to have some special guys in on the edge and tight ends, all those kind of things. Plus, I don't think people are giving our O line enough credit. Uh, going into next year, I mean, I don't know anybody around that has the first line offensive line that we have. It's just going to be just a, you, you don't need the only thing that tilts a little bit in the middle. Van Pran is a little is not six seven. Everybody else six seven across there, three hundred plus, and Van Pran's six four or so. And, and midget, uh, yeah, but and. Uh, so you just you want to be careful that you don't pinch yourself so much and you're and you're all giddy and you're bragging too much. But hey, if you got it, flaunt it, man. We got it. We got it. So and I, this kid's got it, and I think Ryan does too. I, I like both of those guys. I think uh, it'd be awesome if we get, get them both. But uh, I'm fired up about you know I don't know how many years I got left, but I'm looking forward to. This year and from and I mean as as I ride on out into the rest home, I think I'm gonna be doing have a lot of fun on these uh, watch along shows if we keep having them because I can guarantee you people want to watch along watch these dogs because as these dogs are gonna hunt. Absolutely, they're reloading. Uh, speaking of things that hunt well, today is Tuesday, and I want to uh, tell you that now it's twelve twenty four. We're a little long in our first segment. But be sure to get in your orders now to our friends at your pie. Go on the app. It's Double Points Tuesday. Uh, order your pizzas, order your pastas, order your salads, order your sandwiches. Heck, uh, go, go ahead and get a drink and a gelato and do it all on the app. You'll get double points. Those points redeems incredibly quickly for free breadsticks, free pizzas, free uh, ice creams, free drinks, um, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, hit up our friends at your pie. Uh, Drew and Natalie French. Huge Georgia supporters. They created the entire concept. Now there's 70 locations. They're all over the place. Shout out to the one in LaGrange. I'll be uh, down that way soon. Uh, my wife and I are looking to, uh, she teaches down at West Point. So we, we stop in LaGrange all the time. We like going to that one there. I like the one here in Athens. Uh, they're great, fantastic everywhere. Uh, the one in Columbus as well. So hit up any of the locations, but go ahead before you get there, order your uh, what you want to eat on the Europe app. Now, if you want to eat tomorrow, Go ahead and order today. Tell them you're picking it up tomorrow. Easy peasy, but you still get the double points. Also, I want to mention our friends at Dead Soxy. This, I know it sounds weird to go from pizza to socks, but trust me, these socks are as good as the European pie pizzas because once you get, once you try them, you won't go back to anything else. You're not going to buy any of these other uh, internet socks or ones with a fancy commercial stuff like that. Go buy a pair from these. A pair of old Miss grads who developed an incredibly comfortable sock that doesn't slide down your leg, that doesn't have annoying seam, that are incredibly soft. It's the buttery feel of the fabric will feel great on your feet. You're not going to sweat in them and be hot. Try out the red and black ones. Use promo code UGA Sports to get 20% off. Too easy. And like I'm showing on the screen right there, if you're not watching, or if you're if you're listening to this, you won't see it. But on the screen, if you're watching, they they have. Two packs, single packs, eight packs, but the red and black ones are very, very sharp. Try those out. 
I want to make a point, Ronnie. Uh, I'm a sock connoisseur, grew up in Burlington, North Carolina, 69 hosiery mills when I was going to high school, knitting those socks, doing what I had to do. Uh, I actually bootlegging them down the NC State from the factory outlet to try to sell to people. But let me just tell you, these socks from Dead Socks are the real deal. I mean, I, I've been around Good Socks since uh, Caesar went over to Rubicon. I'm just telling you, there's some there's some good fabric in them, and they, they're really good. So I want to make sure I hadn't said enough about Dead Soxy lately, but I would promise you, you can't go anywhere and get anything better than these socks. I love it. Give me some more, Roddy. I'm about to give out. <laughs> I will reach out to Jason. We'll get you, we'll get you loaded up. Dylan Raiola dominated the headlines, but there was oh. one late last night for did I I thought I said Raiola. Oh, you said doesn't matter. Let's go for it. <laughs> go. I'm gonna get this right, coach. You can coach yeah, me I'm, up here. I mean you you're, you're, you're down. How can you not get this one? You're you're in the you're in the business school. I mean I'm here in the uh, the uh, journalism. Journalism school, you can get it. But what are you gonna talk about? Whitehead coming here? That's it. Laneith Whitehead coming back to Athens. Athens Academy uh, was at Tennessee for a while. Georgia adding a depth piece at running back seems like something that's helpful with the injuries that it had. Yeah. Um, Here's the Coach- thing about him. He, he was a really good high school player. He got hurt a little bit, but, uh, you know, shot putter, very explosive. Uh, I watched him practice a couple of times and, you know, people looked at him at linebacker and running back and uh, we just didn't have any open. Tennessee made a move on I think at this point he's a preferred walk-on, but he'll give us a lot of depth there, and he's got good speed. And, you know, I don't know what, what the agreement is. I'm sure he'll get, get some help some way. But uh, good, as you mentioned, it gives you, with Clark leaving, uh, it, it gives you uh, somebody to come in there, and we, get, we got a little – Issue with uh, when's Robinson going to be ready? Uh, how how good's Paul going to be with his injury? So this guy is a physical looking guy that uh, coming in here, and I was happy about it. I was, you know, I saw the headlines transferring to an SEC school, and I didn't even look at it. And then I looked and saw it's Georgia. That was awesome. I've heard really good things about him. We we saw him play a few times. Uh, very talented kid. But the question was, you know, well, can he do it in the SEC? Well, he did it for Tennessee when he got his shots. You know, I think he ran for uh, almost like 67, 80 something yards against um, Missouri. That's a hell of a defense out there to do that. So I'm like, okay, this kid, he's got the size. He, he can do it. So it's not like he's an untested commodity. He's been right. through it. He had, a, he had an injury. He's been set back by that. But, Good point, and, right? you know, for a kid that went to school at Athens Academy to play here in town, you know, see the parents all the time. He's going to be very motivated to uh, line up for Georgia and definitely need the depth when, I mean, you have some major questions. I always look at a guy like that so much about what's right about him instead of what's wrong. Uh, And, you know, you you mentioned people said about the SEC. Hey, he's got to prove it. And if he can do it in practice against our defense, he'll be able to show. But, you know, he's going to have an opportunity here. If you look at one position on Georgia's team where you can maybe come in and have a little imprint, uh, if everybody's healthy, it wouldn't be running back. But with the situation we got there, uh, all three guys except uh, Edwards have have an issue there, you know. And then you got Roderick Robinson 
the, the kid from uh, California who got some freshman work. So it's a good move there on the, you know, come home and uh, play for your uh, school that you always wanted to. And uh, he'll have that drive to prove himself. So I'm fired up about getting him. And that guy's your sixth or seventh running back. I think you're doing pretty darn well at that position. Exactly. You don't, don't forget, uh, Roddy's a boy from Texas, too, Cash Jones. I mean, that guy's 30-some – he almost 4,000 yards in Texas. I mean, Texas football is really good. So, that guy's got elite speed, too. We got two people coming back off injuries that nobody talks about much, Cash Jones and uh, uh, Jackson at, at safety, really going to help our special teams and give us depth. Two really good players. I, I hated to see Savon Clark because that's kind of been the guy I've touted who just looked the part, and every time we saw him get in, ran with you know with with purpose. And if you can replace him with Whitehead, I think that's just again we we say it on the show all the time. People go, well, you know, Kirby this, Kirby that, and they want to begrudge him. It's fun to see the Auburn fans just pulling their hair out yesterday about with Georgia getting uh, Riola. Uh, just you know, they they look for something to bring him down with. But I'm like, the secret to Kirby Smart's success, you know, has always been roster management. And when you, I'll say it for the thousandth time. I'm sorry to people that get bored with me hearing it. But when you look at this football team, it looks like a completely different football team than what they had ten years ago. And when, yeah. you, when Georgia lined up against Alabama, you know, some of those games, it felt like they were playing an NFL a high school team versus an NFL team. 2015 now, in particular, that the Derrick Henry in the rain game. That was yeah, the absolutely. And now it's the reverse. When Georgia walked out against TCU, or, or excuse me, before even before that, when I saw the TCU defensive line and then he, the Georgia guys came in for their media session, I'm like, I don't what, – what did I predict on this game? I need, to, I need to go put money on this game because they're going to kill them. And I didn't expect that. But, yeah, it's completely different. So when you're getting – it's just it's insane. Here's the thing about uh, coaching today is, is no different in a lot of ways than it's ever been. Two things that the really preeminent guys are able to do is look into the future. And, and by that, I mean analyze what you have and what you need, who you're losing, what you got to do to supplement that, make decisions based on now, but also down the road and being able to counterbalance that now and down the road, and then how you handle pressure, because it's a pressure-packed job. I mean, making those decisions during the game, making those decisions during practice, whether to go hard or let up or whether to push them more, uh, you know, all those things. Uh, a guy that can't handle it, uh, be it's going to be hard to do anything in this profession, but particularly the uh, – roster management now and you add in the, the balance of who you give the money to compared to who you don't I mean uh, and I don't know how that works I really don't how they figure it out but everybody needs to understand this little criteria here NIL started two years ago and nobody knew jack about it about what the potential was, except you could get your name, image, and likeness. We've seen it proliferate. So the people that are coming in now have a lot better idea about what's out there for them individually. The schools do too. 
So these people have a bigger, bigger role as far as what they can get compared to the guys that just first started out getting peanuts and all that, signing autographs and all that. So uh, that's a reality here. And you got to be careful because you got morale on your team and you got a guy that's made all conference. Oh, yeah. Good for, and or a guy that's been great on your special teams and all that. And he's getting a little NIL. And this guy's never even played for your school. And he's coming in making more than, than these guys. So it's a real fine line, I promise you. Coach, I'm glad you mentioned like pressure pack portion of the job that these Georgia coaches have because yes, everything's going Georgia's way right now, but that can turn pretty quickly. Clemson did not have an awful team the last two years, but if you talked about Clemson, the only thing you heard is well, what's wrong with Clemson, and I think last year they won 11 games. Hell, people are ready to string up Nick Saban. Yeah, well, here's the thing about if you just look at their roster. They, they had difference makers on the perimeter. You can say what you want to about DJ, the quarterback, but they don't have the guys on the outside that can go up and get the ball and make you hurt on a long pass like they had, like they beat Alabama for the championship. And that, to me, is a difference. You look at their team, they don't have those guys. Maybe they got them coming in. Same thing's true with uh, Alabama. They didn't have – the, the big guys up front defensively, the, the, you know, the, the Quinn and Williams, uh, the guys that just first-round draft choices up there, certainly had the edge guy. But uh, so I think that, that, that in itself showed, even though they had nine or ten guys drafted and had two in the first three, uh, and they still couldn't be us. No, you're, you're 100% correct on that. It's uh... – it doesn't matter that uh, Clemson's been to heights it hasn't been to in forever, and Alabama's a perennial winner. The, the people, as quickly as we build them up, just like, you know, we come on the show talking about, you know, what Ryan, uh, what, excuse me, what uh, Dylan Riola could do for the team. The minute there's a crack, you know, the media, the fans, everybody starts ripping these guys down. They see uh, Dabo have a little, you know, some stress, you know, putting out how many games they won. Oh, it, it's it's in times, you know, for Clemson, and uh, people are writing Saban off. Saban's lost. I'm like, Saban hasn't lost jack crap. You know, that guy's still signing everyone classes. Still had ten guys drafted. He's going to be right in the thick of it again. But people are. Everyone wants to be the first to identify the the the, the end, and that only adds to, as you say, they uh, the pressure that these guys face. And coach points out that there's hundreds of decisions that have to be made throughout the season. You know. All, all year around, you know, leading into it, moving this guy here, moving that guy there. And all you're judged on is maybe one series in one game and it, the win-loss for that series. So it's just I, – I can't do it, um, lucky for me. I want to give you one example here okay. that, I, that I've seen that really kind of characterizes what's going on in today's football. At the end of the year – one of the things you always do with every player is have a meeting with them and go over where you stand, how your role is on the team, your academic situation, and basically kind of just just a, a real good job of talking to each other about, you know, what you need to do to work better and what can we do to help you and all that. And you meet with every player on your team. Those meetings used to last five to ten minutes each. Now a coach 
has not only got to do that, but a guy saying, hey, coach, I need more NIL. I got this out there. I got these people talking to me. What can you do? Well, you got 90-some kids coming in when you get the walk-ons and all, and you got to balance that out too now. So who do you bring it to? And who do you encourage to, hey, can you, we like, and we've had a phenomenal uh, retention rate of the good players here. I mean, we've lost some guys to the transfer portal, but not not a lot that you would slit your throat over. I mean, the guys just weren't good enough to play here in the most part. It, weren't, it wasn't their fault. It was just the competition. But I, I give a lot of credit to, to our staff as far as being able to develop players but keep them here. Don't you? I mean, don't you think that's pretty good in the, in the end result? Absolutely. I mean, I, you look at some of these schools like Texas A&M, how many guys they had lost to the portal. Uh, you look at some of the big names. And, and what did Georgia do this past season? They took the best wide receiver from Missouri. They took the best wide receiver from uh, Mississippi State. They took a very talented kid from Texas A&M to go, coming to Georgia. I think the only two guys that, you know, of course you lost Justin Fields. That was tough. You lost uh, Tariq Stevenson, who went back to Miami. Not not a shocker there. Bear Alexander, I don't want to say it was addition by subtraction, but there's nobody over there you know, beating themselves up that Bear's not on the team anymore. Uh, but he is talented. So you, you lose someone's, but on the the vast majority of guys that Georgia's lost to the uh, portal, I mean, Breon Davis, good guy, big sacks now and then, but he's not better than Smile Mondin or uh, Pop, you know, right. not or uh, sorry. Uh, you lose uh, uh, trouble. I was trying to figure that out. Uh, Tresman Marshall, good player. Alabama. Uh, Go start for Alabama, that, but, no. but would he start at Georgia? No, and that's not a you know shot against Tresman. Uh, you lost some good wide receivers, but you know it's uh, well. What what Georgia's convinced? On, on, go ahead. What, what Georgia's convinced players is that your career will be better served by being a part of our program, even if that means less playing time, than going to be the guy somewhere else. And at this point, there's some evidence to prove that. Yes. With NFL draft status. That's right. what they can throw back at people. And what I'm happy for, too, is some of these guys that were marginal players for us that, you know, maybe started for a little bit, like Brini and Spear uh, of Speed. What was his, what was his name? Amir uh, Speed. Speed. Speed went to uh, Michigan State. Brini went to Arkansas. They both signed pro contracts. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, the, the teaching that they got here had to help them, too. So when Tyreek Stevenson gets drafted, but he got drafted before Keely Ringo. Yeah, he did. So uh, great for them. And again, but, you know, on balance, the transfer portal has not hurt Georgia as much as I think it has helped them. And that's exactly. not, it's not that's thinking, but I think it's going to be the same with a lot of these big schools. When the transfer portal came out and was, oh, this is going to be great. I'm like, you guys say this. You say it's going to create parity. But I'm telling you, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Oklahomas, the Georgias, you know, the, the, the rich are going to get richer because if you got a kid that's good on your team and he's average, or he's. Uh, For our fans who watch this show religiously, when it came out, that's what we said. It's going to be, yes. and you know, Lane Kiffin said, you know, it's free agency. But what, what we've seen is some guys like at, at these non. Um, you know, I don't know how you call them, non-power five, whatever you call them. Group of five. They're the best players 
that didn't work that good in high school to get to this level, but now they've matured, they've played, and now they can pick out a place and go play on a big level, make some money, and get more exposure. And it's not fair to the Western Kentuckys, to the Marshalls and all that, but that's just the way it is. But I was thinking of Jamie Newman and how everybody was fighting for him out of Wake Forest. You know, everybody wanted him. But and here's I'm, what happens. Though. <laughs> so bad for him. Here's what happens uh, when not only the rich get richer, but some of the lesser teams can even draw some of those guys. I mean, they get they want to play in those packed stadiums. They want to play, and they they're encouraging them. Hey, come you can you can play against Georgia. You can play against Alabama if you come to the SEC. That's what they got to sell. So, so so much for the portal today. What what do we got here on the? We got Athens Ford. Well, I want to mention that sort of. I was out there the other day uh, speaking with Brian Clower. Uh, Coach Donna was with us. There's a uh, just checking out some of the stuff they have over there. Me with Brian. I was stunned, not so much by the number of vehicles they have, but he was telling me something about the electronic vehicles they have, the EVs. Uh, that uh, Mustang out there. The speed from zero to sixty. The numbers he was telling us, like you know, like. What was it, three point two something something nuts? And he's talking about how it would whip your head back, and I'm like, wow. And then he said that the F one fifty, the electronic version of that, the EV F one fifty, the Lightning out there, same thing. The takeoff on these things is ins- absolutely insane. I'm like, wait a minute. I still have in my head an electronic vehicle, you know, an EV. Uh, you step on the gas, and it's you know, it's like a remote controlled car. It has to build up to speed. He's like, now these things absolutely rocket. And he's like, they will snap your head back. I'm like, damn it, now I want to try one. <laughs> so I want to check them out. Anyway, if you are interested in a car that will snap your head back, check out our friends at Athens Ford. They've got a ton of them on the lot. You can go into the showroom, see the, see the Mustang. they got the uh, F-150s out there. Of course, the F-150, the number one selling truck in America. They have great deals on new cars. They All their uh, pre-owned vehicles are in fantastic condition. They're not going to sell some clunker out there. They have very high standards when it comes to uh, the cars they take in on trade. So check out our friends at Athens Ford. You will not be disappointed. Also, I want to mention our friends over at Prime Shrimp. Prime Shrimp is a uh, company that uh, basically they process seafood. They do have a great job that they do on their shrimp. They de-head it. They uh, peel it. They de-vein it. They put it into a uh, plastic bag with incredible seasoning. You take the, and then they freeze it. They flash freeze it. They send it to you frozen. You put it in your freezer. Then when you're ready, you take it out. You drop it in some boiling water. You flip it once. Take it out what, like four, six, eight minutes later. Open the bag. Dump it onto your rice. Dump it onto your pasta. Drop it into your tacos. Eat it straight. Uh, you will absolutely love it. Try them out. If you don't like it, I will personally apologize to you because I'm telling you, this is a, it's a fantastic shrimp. Uh, use promo code UGA Sports to get 20% off your first order. I guarantee you're going to love it because folks at, at our Texas site, at a ton of our LSU site, our Georgia site, everyone that's tried it has raved about Prime Shrimp, and you will too. I want to give a shout out to one of the commenters here on Facebook, Phil Rogers, who is, watches every Tuesday, says, Roddy, Coach Don and Dane, I look forward to your show every Tuesday at noon. And he I'm also sure. said that he's 71 years old. He's waited a long time for Georgia to stomp people by 35 points in every half. Good job, Phil. 
like going to happen on the first part of that schedule for next year as well. Let's get to questions from UGA Sports. I always remember about a name like Phil Rogers. Phil Rogers was a pro golfer, and his claim to fame was he taught Jack Nicklaus how to play around the green a little bit. But he bragged about it. I don't know if he taught him that or not, but I always was. I'd say that too. Phil yeah, I would be all over it. <laughs> Phil Rogers, you know, uh, was a great chipper. Uh, questions from UGASports.com from JSJB Sap. Question for Coach Donnan. If Carson Beck is the starter, then what goes into the decision around the playing time for the backup? And does playing time, the decisions around that playing time, does that change as the season progresses? You know, it goes in, in, uh, with uh, a lot of it has to do with there's a definitive really big difference between one and two. If there's not, then you have a tendency to maybe go with number two a little quicker, particularly if things aren't going well. But if they're going well, then you probably put two in there, uh, you know, in the second half. Uh, you, you talk about one of the meetings that, that Kirby has with the staff on uh, Saturday morning and it's very uh, comprehensive. Uh, most coaches do that. Some of them don't. But you go over the what ifs that can be involved in the football. Like what happens if it starts raining? What happens if we lose our second team tackle? What happens if we lose our first team snapper? Who's the next guy? All these questions. And, hey, you talk about if we get behind, what's our best way to come back? If, we, if we're way ahead, who do we want to play? What's the pecking order? Who goes in the game? So, that, that's the way you look at it. Question from Bush Dog: Do coaches ever ask recruiting reporters to ask recruits specific questions? Sure. Got guys in your head I mean, they, they, one thing that you know is some of these guys got a lot of access to these kids, and Roddy does a good job training our guys and getting them out on the road and. He's got people out there all week talking to them, and the coaches can't do it, but so much. You got two visits in the spring, and then you got these dead periods and all that, but the the uh, people in the media can talk to them anytime that they want to. Like, I remember we had a kid, Breedlove, from, from down at Clemson that we were recruiting. It came here on an official visit, and we were trying to cement that, and – I was having a hard time getting in touch with him after he got here, you know, left and went back home just to try to negate anything to somebody because everybody's going to start harping on you. And he told me that he had 47 messages on his machine when he got back and only four of them were from coaches. So that gives you an idea of everybody, all these people's arrival, all the people arrivals, these different Network. I don't even know if there's any other networks. Do they have any other networks, Roddy? Yeah, there are a couple others. Okay, I'm just being facetious. <laughs> this is the one if you got – this is the Cadillac. So, anyhow, uh, it just goes to show you, though, these guys have a tendency to, you know, throw it out there. Hey, hey just pretend I'm a head coach here. Hey, Roddy, how about calling up uh, uh, Dane and saying how he felt about the visit or, you know, whatever it might be because – these guys open up their guts. If you watch or read our site, as soon as a guy comes up back from an official visit, we got it 
we got it chronicled on. I don't want to say we. I'm just I'm not part of this like you guys. But Roddy and, the, and his staff they got it chronicled about what, exactly what happened on the visit. Uh, they, they, these kids open up their veins and tell them everything. Yeah, and they do. And uh, so you have a kid. Let's say um, when Ryan Ryan Wingo comes for an official visit. Um, stays in town this weekend. And remember, this upcoming weekend is the giant scavenger hunt, one of the biggest recruiting events Georgia has. They will have a ton of top players there, guys committed elsewhere, five-star guys. Again, Jeremiah Smith uh, committed to Ohio State. Uh, Williams committed to Alabama. Uh, but Dylan Raiola commits on the Monday prior to the big recruiting weekend. He's supposed to be in town. He's going to be recruiting for Georgia, trying to get those kids to come play with him. Uh, but let's say – Ryan Wingo, when he leaves Georgia, uh, our site wants to talk to him. Uh, the 24-7 site will want to talk to him. The On3 site will want to talk to him. The Banner Herald will want to talk to him. The AJC will want to talk to him. Uh, uh, Sports Illustrated will want to talk to him. Uh, got anybody else you can think of, uh, ESPN guys would love to talk to him. Point. So everyone tries to reach out to these kids. And then if a kid releases a top five, and he, then every out <clears> – <throat> Everybody, each one of those schools will have five or six outlets covering for that school. Now you do it times five schools. So you have 30 different outlets that want to reach out to a kid that just put out a top five. And so usually the coaches see all the interviews and, and they actually have a dedicated staff that reads everything that is written about each kid that they're looking for. And they also do their own research. And we've had kids come back and say, you know, uh, George reached out to me and wished my grandfather a happy birthday. How do they know my grandfather's birthday? I wasn't even sure what day it was. You know, and we've seen that in the past. Uh, very seldom we get a coach say, hey, uh, ask him about this, because they usually know most of the stuff. But there have been times where uh, they want, they're like, well, what did he think about X? Or what does he think about this? And they ask you personally what you may have heard and not so much to ask the kid that question. So they reach out to us. But then if they reach out to us, what do we do? We're like, well, do you think you're getting him? You know, and that is how you sometimes find out what you and Georgia can talk to you about a kid. They are recruiting. They can't ask your opinion and they can't highlight a visit. They can't uh, coordinate any coverage, but they can confirm that they are recruiting a kid. So that is within the NCAA uh, guidelines that they can confirm that. So. Which is the funny juxtaposition because once they're on campus and they're a player at Georgia, it's like, eh, don't talk to them. Anymore. Yeah, they're done. No, no, no. Can't, can't do that. Trust me, crazy. A uh, lot of questions here from Red and Black in the day, so I'll start with this one, which I think is a good question. True or false, pork barbecue sandwiches should be served with coleslaw on top of the meat? This depends on where you're from. Uh, I grew up with, with the slaw on top of it, but people, other people don't like it. Uh, it just depends, personal preference, but uh, you can make some sliced barbecue with some red slaw on it, and I'll be happy. Okay. We'll get you some from Stamey's coach. Uh, it, it depends on how good the uh, coleslaw is because if you got some Stamey's on it, then it's, it's worth it. But I've had some bad uh, coleslaw. Yeah, hey, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to hurt the barbecue with bad slaw. You know where you'll get the good sides is over at Academia Brewing Company. Yes, I was out at Academia after I'd stopped by Athens Ford. Went by there. I was Actually, I needed to go home, but I was like, look, I'm already on this side of town because – uh, Academia Brewing Company is really close to Athens Ford. I was actually I had uh, needed to get home in a hurry, but I was like, well, let me just pop my head in there and see if Matt Casey's in. He wasn't, but I noticed they have a ton of new gear, great uh, pullovers, uh, merchandise is what the kids call it. They got merch, 
tons of hats, tons of uh, shirts, all sorts of cool stuff, and a bunch of new coolers. Now, I've told you about that there was a cooler by the door that you could get some of their beer to take home with you. They're selling so much of this beer. It is so uh, crazy popular right now. They have a bunch of new state-of-the-art uh, refrigerated units. I feel like you're in a liquor store when you walk in there. You open them up, and they have all their different beers because they have so much good stuff there. So if you were in a hurry like I was the other day and you don't have time to stop in and get a great meal, you don't have time to enjoy the uh, beer garden outside with the great weather that we're having, uh, you don't want to sit at the bar, you don't want to uh, use the big corporate room on the side there, just run in to your right, to your left. When you first open the doors, there are these huge beer coolers. You can get six packs, cases, whatever you want to take with you. And you will absolutely be thrilled when you leave there. And I met their general manager, a super nice lady. Uh, check out uh, Academia Brew Company when you get the chance. Uh, speaking of also when you get the chance, I want you to reach out to our friends at My Perfect Franchise. Now, uh, Andy Ludecki, the guy that started this whole thing, he's, he started this about 10 years ago, okay? Um, he was trying to figure out, you know, what he wanted to do. He wanted to get out of the rat race, and he opened his own first franchise. He still owns it today. It's called Synergy Home Care. Uh, since he kind of took the plunge into owning a franchise, he's diversified into other businesses. So once you understand how the franchising thing works, you can try new stuff. Uh, he currently owns the Big Red Dumpster Company, the Big Red Redheads, which is a porta potty company and the Big Red Gutter Company. Now, he's not an expert in gutters or Port Johns or uh, uh, dumpsters or you know home care, but he understands how the system works, and he uses it to his advantage, and now he can teach you how to get a franchise. There's 3,000 of them out there. He will guide you to the one that fits your criteria, that fits your needs, that fits your availability, what you can do. Uh, so reach out to them. It doesn't cost you anything. It's a no-brainer. So reach out to Andy Ludecki at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, he always has a, uh, a competition running on the dog vent where you get three free months if you can guess the franchise that he's promoting that uh, month. So hit up Angela Decky when you get the chance. Big old dog wants to know, Coach, are you going to Orlando for the final eight in the NCAA men's tennis tournaments? Uh, up in the air, you know, I'm not going to go Thursday, but if all of a sudden they make it to the finals, uh, might be down there. You never know. I love it. And then just uh, from Red and Black in the day, took advantage of, of our prompting on the dog then, ask a few questions. If the ACC were to somehow dissolve and its schools be available to the remaining conferences, is there any reason that the SEC looks beyond Clemson, Florida State, or Miami? Well, here's the thing. You, you know, for everybody out there, the, the ACC signed a right of uh, a way uh, of their, their rights through 36, I think, 2036. And uh, they're looking at a school in the state of Florida, Florida State, UCF, that's moving to the Big 12. It's going to be making more money in the Big 12 than Florida State does in the ACC. And they're, they're saying, hey, we got to get some, you know, we got to get something to go in here. We're getting we're not getting the, the money TV-wise or rights fees that these other schools are. So they got to get seven other schools plus them to get in the ACC and find a way to maybe change that and the legalese of it. But as far as who brings what, I think the Big Ten would look hard at Virginia and North Carolina to maybe bring that East Coast up the East Coast to help them with Maryland and Rutgers and bring a tremendous amount of uh, 
you know, basketball in there to go with their football. And the SEC probably would look at Miami, Clemson, uh, Florida State. If we want to get out of 16, I don't know that we want to. Now that we got Oklahoma and Texas coming here, I don't know what's going to happen. But And you, you got to look at the Big Ten. Do they want to get anybody else now that they got – I don't think that they would go out in those areas where Oregon and all those places in those spacious west areas as compared to the TV people that are on the East Coast if they could get North Carolina and Virginia. That's just my opinion. I still say the solution is promotion and relegation, that European soccer figured this out a long time ago. It'd be great. Oh, you're right, but no, the people would hate it. You could win your way in and you could lose your way out. (laughs) Red and Black in the day also asked, was the turf in Neyland Stadium a concern amongst your peers in the SEC, or was it just a special hell reserved for Georgia football? Yeah, I would bring it up all the time. I mean, you just – Roy Kramer, I mean, you know, we, we talked to him about it. So I don't know how much they've changed it, uh, you know, since Nick Chubb. But we haven't had any, uh, anybody else since Nick. Have we get our Roddy? Nah. Not to that extent. No. Nah, I was trying to think of anybody else because I just it felt like every time I went up there, I was watching an ambulance leave the freaking stadium. Yeah. I saw Roy Kramer one time before the Kentucky game. You know how the coaches meet, and I think I might have said this three or four years ago on the show, but I can't remember what I was saying, what I don't. But you know how the coaches meet out in the middle, and how Mummy and I were out there, and Coach Kramer came out. He always came, and I always hated. I like to see Roy, but I didn't like to see him in one of our games because that meant these officials were going to call nine million penalties. <laughs> but anyhow, I'm talking to Roy, and I said, "Hey, Roy, what do you think of this field?" And he said, "Well." Uh, you know, he was trying to be political. I said, do you think they're catching any wild animals out here? I mean, they had that grass. <laughs> I mean, Mummy, because, you know, he, he, he didn't laugh. But he said, hey, we got to have a home field advantage, Coach. That was some high bluegrass right there now. Final question of the day, and I don't know where this is going to go. Red and black in the day, which Southern Conference team had the worst facilities in your time at Marshall? Well, the one one place that that they really rectified and built a tremendous stadium there in Chattanooga, Chamberlain Field was uh, just a really bad place to play. They, I mean, the end zone was up. The the once you got to that one end zone, it was uphill from the end zone to the corner of the end zone. So if you ran a flag route, you had to run uphill. I mean, it was graded. <laughs> it wasn't measured hundred yards. We we took the kickoff. One time and uh, on the twenty and had the ball on the thirty, and they the refs. Uh, I remember Don was the referee. I can't remember his last name, but he said we got to measure this. I said it's on the thirty yard line. We started on the twenty and they measured it and it, what we were short, so they you know didn't even have it measured in ten yards. So uh, <laughs> it was definitely uh, Jesus, that's not a very good facility, but that, that happens. But I did want to tell you this one story that I heard about. Uh, Auburn, because we always like to talk about these other schools a little bit, but Hugh Freeze got that job down there, and, you know, he got the kids coming in and out, but they got certain kids they want to keep in there that are, uh, you know, academically having some issues. And this one kid was down to taking this uh, religion class, and he was right on the verge of, 
of failing it. And Coach Free said, look, can you just give him a small test here and save him? We need him. We know we got guys leaving in the portal, and we don't have a lot of players. He's really a good player. And and he said, okay. He said, I'll, I'll give him a chance. And so uh, he, Coach Free said, you mind if I come in there just to give him a little uh, – back, you know, just to give him a little support. And he said, sure, you can sit back there. So he started talking to this kid, said, look, you know, hey, I want you to pass it. I'm just going to ask you one question. If you can get it right, you'll be eligible for next season. He said, okay, I'm real nervous. Don't make it too hard. He said, okay, who brought down the walls of Jericho? And before he could say anything, Free said, hey, we'll pay for everything. Don't worry about it. We'll pay for all of it. <laughs> I love it. Um, that's a good one. I'll pay for everything. I hope we will pay for everything too. So uh, until next week, we hope you do not destroy anything, including the walls of Jericho. Don't rip anything up. Uh, celebrate the fact that your dogs are doing really well. Uh, again, you're uh, uh, maybe 10 days away from the 500th day anniversary of the Georgia Bulldogs being national champs. We'll have a celebration but anyway we will see you next tuesday at noon don't get in any trouble before then and we'll see you later